We're glad that you guys are here, though. Hope you guys have a good uh, holiday weekend tomorrow. Um, we've been going through, just like Adam said, a series called Church Things over the past, which I just love that title, Church Things. And we've kind of walking through this uh, for the last four weeks, um, kind of just looking at some of the different things that we do at church and kind of why do we do them? Because I think we all kind of fall into two camps. We all can kind of fall into a place where we're like, I grew up in church. I'm familiar with church. Church is kind of my jam. And a lot of the things that we do can kind of just become commonplace, Right. You're kind of just like, I heard this sermon before about this thing, and so I don't need to listen. You know, like we can just get used to the church things that happen, right? And that's for some of us. And then to others of us, we, we, uh, we haven't been around church for very long. And you come here, and there's men in the dark with baskets of money, and we're singing songs together. And then people get a bath in the middle of service, and everybody's trying to shake your hand. And you're like, this place is a little weird. This place is just a little strange, Right? It reminds me, can I tell you guys two stories? It reminds me of two different stories. Um, about five years ago, I was working at Akron U's uh, library, downstairs in the basement of the library at Akron U, and I was saving money at this job because I wanted to uh, propose to my now wife, Sarah. And so five years ago, I'm working this job in the library, and I'm putting money aside for this because I'm ready. This relationship's about to become real. I'm going to ask her the question. So I'm putting money away. I haven't thought about how I'm going to do it yet. I have to talk to her dad and all that stuff. But I saved up money. Eventually, I saved up enough money to get the ring. And I got the ring off of ebay.com, which, which was nice. And nobody instructed me not to do that. But eBay doesn't have a we'll fix it when it breaks plan. But I got it off of eBay. And I remember the day that the ring came in the mail. I was so pumped. I was so pumped. The day the ring came, I opened it. I like had it. I'm like, kind of like nervous. Like now, now it's a thing, right? And so I wanted, I'm the type of person that gets really, really excited for things. And I just wanted to share it with somebody. And I can't tell Sarah, obviously. And so I take a picture of the ring and I'm like, I'll tell mom about it. And so I text the picture and I'm carry on doing whatever else I'm doing. And after like 10, 15 minutes, I'm like, man, mom hasn't texted me back. And I pull out my phone and in my excitement, I sent the picture of the ring to Sarah. <laughs> I sent it to her. I'm like, oh. And we all know that moment where like something crazy happens, mayhem happens, something terrible, and you just kind of like, maybe if I don't move, it didn't actually happen. So you're like, I'm just going to stand here. And eventually, after I moved, I'm like, well, I'm just going to call her dad. I mean, what do I do? Propose today, I guess. I don't know. I'm like, I'll just call her dad. I didn't know what I was going to say when I called him. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was just going to call her dad. I call her dad. This is no lie. Sarah answers her dad's cell phone. She's like, Aiden, why are you calling my dad? I'm like, dang you. I'm like, uh, I, um, I need to fix my car. She's like, what's wrong with the car? I'm like, the steering wheel is a triangle. It's terrible. I need to talk to your dad. And so I get her dad on the phone. Her parents are great, great, great people. They're not very like nimble and swift and like quick type of people. So I'm like, Randy, we got to get Sarah's phone. I accidentally sent her a picture of an engagement ring. We can talk about that later, but we need to get it off of her phone. And somehow, by the grace of God, by the work of the Spirit, they got the phone from Sarah. They got the picture deleted off that and she got her phone back and she had no idea. She had no idea. I saw her later that day. She's like, what's up? I'm like, nothing. What about you? What are you? How are you doing? You good? Man, it's very cold outside. I hope you bring, bring a jacket. But I, I was out of all my excitement, out of all my excitement, I did this stupid thing. And you know where the ring is at right now? 
I told you eBay didn't have a fix-it plan. The ring is broken, and it's sitting in a dish in our bathroom, and I'm supposed to go get it fixed. And that is what happens with so many of us with church things. We first come to church. We're all pumped. We're like, hallelujah, two hands in the air. We're getting baptized. We're going to communion. We're doing all this stuff. And then like over time, over time, you kind of gum. I heard all the lessons already. And then you're just kind of like, meh. And you just kind of come, right? Like that's where a lot of, I know this is true about some of us because I feel like this is true about me a lot of times, right? You can just kind of go through the motions. And so some of us, can fall there. And others of us remind me of another story about my wife. She is so funny. She, she grew up in church, but she didn't, she didn't grow up here. And one of the unique things that we do is part of our communion services, we wash feet. We're having one on Wednesday. You should come. You don't have to wash feet, but you should come. But we have a, a foot washing. It's this picture of what Jesus has done for us. Dan just preached a sermon about it. You can go listen to that. But the church Sarah grew up in, she didn't do this. And so this was a new thing for her. Some of you guys are like, I don't know all these church things. That's how it was for her. And she came to communion service and sitting next to us was our campus pastor, Dan Gregory, and his wife, Jennifer. And so they're washing each other's feet. And it's this like spiritual, beautiful, heartfelt, like they're praying and they're worshiping and washing each other's feet. And Sarah and I are next to them. And Sarah is just dying laughing. She's just laughing so hard because she's like, your feet are so sweaty. And I'm washing her feet and her feet, she's like, it tickles, it tickles. Like this, this, this experience was just a little, it was just a little weird, right? It's just a little weird. There's this new thing. It didn't have context yet. And th- so through this series, whether you're someone who like, yeah, sometimes these church things are like a broken ring on the shelf. And I don't really think about them that much anymore because they're just kind of things that we just do. Or if you're someone that you're like, I'm not quite sure what all this stuff is. That's why we're having this church things conversation. And so today I want to talk to you guys about something that's very near and dear to my heart. You might have peeked at your program and saw it already, but it's, it's something that we do every week. It's something that's part of my job. It's something I went to school for, and that is singing. See, that's the thing. That's the thing. We talk about singing. Everybody's like, Oh man, for 40 minutes, you're going to talk about, buckle in ladies and gentlemen, because I'm going to see you if you leave and we'll send someone after you, make you come back in and sit down. That's a joke. If you got to pee, go ahead. But we want to talk about singing because this is what happens. This is what happens, honestly. And if you've been around church, you know this. I want to talk about singing, not necessarily worship. Worship, let me be clear. Worship is all the ways in which we follow Jesus, right? Worship is giving back to God what he's given to us. So we worship God with our finances. We worship God through our relationships. We worship God through our time. We worship God through when we talk to people about the story of Jesus. Worship is following Jesus and letting it play out in our lives. Singing is one way that we worship. But what usually happens is the pastor gets up and says, we're gonna talk about worship, but not really singing because worship is all of our lives and singing is just part of it. And you're like, well, what about singing though? It's this thing that we have to do. And I just want to say this. I want to say, like, I get it. I get it. You know, like you come home from work and your, your, your roommate or your spouse or whoever, they want to talk about everything that's on their mind. They want to like, look, listen to what happened. And you're like, just, just, just give me a second. Just chill. Sometimes I, I, I'm up here every week. Usually if we don't know each other, I'm helping with the music with Garrett and Ryan. And, and every week, I know you're taking the kids to Power Kids and you're trying to get them in the door. You're like, just go, stop crying, go. Go into Power Kids. And then you come up and everybody's shaking your hand and you're like, gosh, everybody's way too nice. And you, you eventually get up here and you get to your seat and it's almost like you like finished the level of a video game. You get to your seat, you're like, oh, God, here, finally. And then me, Ryan, or Garrett are like, Will you all stand and sing? And you're like, just give me a minute. 
You know, like, I feel you. I get it. I want you to know I get it. Because I say this all the time. Church is the only place we sing rock and roll music at 10 o'clock in the morning. And it's, we're a lot of grown adults singing together. And you're like, this is weird. Where else do we do this? This is where else we do this. The other places that we all sing together are the seventh inning stretch at a baseball game, when Journey comes on at a wedding, <laughs> and, and at birthday parties. And that gets creepier every single time. Were you at a birthday party this weekend? It was creepy. Everybody's like, <laughs> like it's, it gets creepier. And so adults just getting together and singing is like not a normal thing, right? It's not a normal thing. I remember being, being in, I don't know, middle school, high school. Like I said, I was a church kid and where I brought a friend to church with me and we were at church and I was singing. The worship was going on. I got my hands out. There's a comedian who calls this the carrying the TV. And he's, I'm praising. I got my eyes closed. And my friend leans over to me. He goes, are you sleeping? <laughs> I'm praising, sir. But here's the thing. Like, I get it that singing is kind of a weird thing, but this is, this is my hope today. This is my hope. I don't think you're going to leave crying. I don't think you're going to leave like weep, like, oh my God. I just want to have a conversation and just shine some light on this thing that we do. I think that as we gather and as we sing together, I think there's a lot of power in it. I think there's a lot of beauty in it. I think there's a lot of purpose in it, right? And so today my hope is just that whether you grew up in church or not, whether singing is like, oh yeah, I love this thing. This is something I've always done. This is great. Whether that's you or whether you're like, I hate when we have to stand up and do that thing. I don't know the songs. Whether, wherever you're at, my hope is that just after this conversation, you might be like, oh, okay. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing now. Oh, cool. Like, that's my hope for you. It's nothing crazy. I just want to hope make sense of this thing that's a little confusing. What's cool is that 400 references to singing in Scripture. You read through Scripture, there's 400 references to singing. And there's 50 direct commands to sing. Like all through scripture, we're, we're commanded and encouraged to sing. I think that's so cool. You guys can open your Bibles to page 955. That's where we'll be today. The blue Bible's in front of your seat, 955. If you don't have a Bible, you can take that Bible with you. And if you don't want to carry that Bible around, you can download the YouVersion Bible app on your phone. There you go. Happy 2018. But I'm also going to put it up on the screens here, page 955, Colossians 3.16. A guy named Paul is writing a letter to the uh, churches. It's kind of when Christianity is kind of taken off. There's different churches forming, and Paul's writing to the church. He says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. His first point is very simple. Very simple, but it's the backdrop behind why we're going to have this whole conversation. If I was to write a love song for Sarah— I would write her the love song, and the backdrop to that song would be our relationship, would be the time that we spent together, would be my love for her. That would be the backdrop of which I wrote a song. And so as we sing, we want to sing against the backdrop of something. Our first point is that we sing because God is good. It's super simple. You probably don't have your mind blown by that, but if we skip past that, we miss the entire reason we sing. We sing because God is is good. There's a vertical aspect to why we sing, right? Uh, Colossians 3.16 says we're singing to God with gratitude in our hearts. It's just a response to who God is. I, uh, I love telling people about the funky truckeria. You guys know the funky truckeria? Yeah, yes. The later I go on in the day, more and more people are like, yes, it's the best taco place ever. It's right here in Norton. I love telling people about it. I love taking people there. Do you know why? Because it's really good tacos. 
I love watching the Cavs, whether they're going to win or lose. I don't care. I love watching them. Why? Because it's fun and we're from Cleveland-ish. Pastor Dan, our campus pastor, is from somewhere in the middle of nowhere, and he says lots of words like McDonald's, blueberries, hurricane, water. He says lots of words very funny. And we all, he says wrestle too, and we always laugh at him. Why? Because it's funny. Like, we respond to situations in our lives, right? So why do we sing? We sing, we sing as a response to who God is, because God is good. Singing is an overflow, right? Like, songs are about, like, terrible breakups and awesome falling in loves and the best days of our lives and she's just a small town girl living in a lonely world. This story, like songs are overflows of our lives, right? Like there's no song that's like, it's Tuesday, I'm filing paperwork because I have to pay for my benefit. Like there's no song like that. Springsteen probably gets close, right? <laughs> but, but music is an overflow, Right? Like, music is naturally an overflow. So as we sing, we're, what are we overflowing, right? Because sometimes we come in, we're like, I don't know why we're doing this. I just want to have a quick conversation, a quick point of reference for why we sing. You guys can, you don't have, if you have your Bibles open, you don't have to flip a page. Just look over Colossians 1.15. You can look up on the screens. Colossians 1.15 says, The Son is the image of the invisible God. That's Jesus. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven, things on earth, visible things that we see and invisible things, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church, he's the beginning. I love this. This is so gnarly. He's the firstborn from among the dead. You know who came back to dead, came back from the dead, never died again? Jesus. What up? He's the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything Jesus might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness, all of the greatness and infinity of God, all of that has dwelt in Jesus. And through him he would reconcile all things to himself whether things on earth, whether things in heaven, how by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God, you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in God's sight without blemish and free from accusation. We sing because God is good. We sing because he's great. We sing because all things are made for him and through him and he holds all things together. That while all the fullness of God dwelt in Jesus, he reconciled us through his physical body, his physical death on the cross, that we might have a right relationship with God, that we might enter the presence of God boldly because we're so great and so cute. Nope, but because of the power and grace of our savior, Jesus. That's, that's the backdrop behind why we sing, right? That's the backdrop. And I love it. We throw back up the Colossians verse, Colossians 3.16 again. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. We let that truth kind of seep into our skin, right? We let that kind of float around us. I love the way that the amplified version of the Bible says, let the spoken word of Christ have its home within you, dwelling in your heart and mind, permeating every aspect of your being. Like it's like the, the things that we hear, the words that we speak, the air that we breathe, we want the message of Christ, the story of that gospel to dwell among us. And how does Paul say we do that when we gather together? He says, sing songs to one another. 
teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I love the way that a guy named C.S. Lewis says it. He's an old British guy. He wrote Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, if you're familiar, but he writes some really, really awesome stuff. Stuff that you got to read four times because the first two times you're like, I don't know what that said. But he says this in regards to, to expressing our praise to God, in regards to singing and letting it kind of overflow from us. He says this, I love this. Praise not merely expresses, but completes our enjoyment. It's the appointed consummation. It's not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete until it's expressed. It's frustrating to have discovered a new author and not be able to tell anyone how good he is. To come suddenly at the turn of a road upon some mountain valley of unexpected grandeur and then have to keep silent because the people with you care no more for it than a tin can in a ditch. To hear a good joke and to find no one to share it with. Man, we sing, we let the good news of Jesus overflow in us from song and in that it completes our joy in Christ. And I know what you're thinking. Well, I'm guessing I know what you're thinking. You might be thinking one of two things, right? You might be thinking like, yeah, but I'm not very good at singing. I'm just going to squash that quick. Doesn't matter. <laughs> like I, I sit up here next to Pastor Adam. Trust me, it doesn't matter. Sometimes you, stand, sometimes you stand next to Pastor Dan Gregory. You're like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The Bible says, just like Garrett said, make a joyful noise, right? Plus, everybody loves the guy who's just singing from his soul and sounds terrible. That's the best. That's our favorite guy. So if you're like, I don't sound good, man, let's just keep going. Just sing. But you may be here, you may be like, that's great, Aiden, but I don't really like to sing. I don't imagine that a lot of grown adults love to just come and sing next to people. <laughs> some of us do. But I imagine that some people are like, I don't, I don't like to sing. And I just want to, just, just stick with me. If, if you're here and you don't call yourself a Christian and you're not sure where, what all this God stuff is, I'm just glad you're here. You can listen, you can hum, you can do whatever you want. I'm glad that you're here. If you're here and you're a believer, you're like, I'm part of the church. I put my faith in Jesus. I'm part of this whole deal. I just want to challenge you. Can I do that as one of your pastors, as your worship? Can I just, just push a little bit on it? That you're like, yeah, I come. I'm like, ah, I don't really like singing. Or you may say like, I don't really feel like it. I don't really like this song. That's fine. You think I'm supposed to please everybody with the songs, guys? Come on. It's 2018. There's like 9,000 genres of music. But you're here and you're like, I don't really feel like it. This is what we say in premarital counseling a lot. It's meet with couples. We're like, if, if you're a Christian, the gospel is at the center of our lives, right? And if you're a believer, the gospel is at the center of our marriage. That our decisions, that our actions, that it's the, we love as Christ loved. We forgive as Christ forgave. We show grace as Christ has showed us grace. We humble ourselves just as Christ humbled, our, humbled himself. We put the gospel in the middle of our marriage, right? And so we talk to couples and we say this. And, and what we say is if that is the engine kind of driving this whole thing, then our actions are going to overflow from that, right? That we're going to love as Christ loved. We're going to forgive as Christ. Our actions follow the gospel, right? And then following our actions is our emotions. If you walk in, you're like, I don't think I'm not feeling it. Like that's a different sermon. But if we just did the things that we feel... That's like the purge. Isn't there a movie about that? Like, it's insane. But I want to challenge you. If you're like, yeah, Christ is the center of my life, but I, just, I don't like this thing. That's weird. I want to just encourage you. I just want to challenge you. Come in. Come in, and I want to just challenge you to sing. Even if you don't feel like it, let your actions follow the gospel. Let our actions follow that story of Jesus. And we're just going to sing. And I think eventually our emotions will follow that, even if you're not feeling it. Because can I be honest with you? I love music. I've been playing music my whole life. Love music. Love being a part of this team. 
And there's a lot of Sundays. Can I be honest with you? There's a lot of times you come in as your worship pastor is being honest and you're like, I don't really feel like singing. Is anybody else with me? Sometimes you come in like, I don't really want to. But you know what? I don't let my emotions, I don't want to let my emotions drive my actions. I want my actions to drive my emotions. So I just, I just want to challenge you. I just want to challenge you as many pastors that, that maybe it's taking a step out and you're like, you know, I don't feel like it, but I'm just going to sing and see where this thing goes, <laughs> right? I just want to challenge you that way. Just be engaged with what's happening. You know, maybe slap a thigh. Maybe just start by humming a little bit. <laughs> and do a little drum beat on the chair. You know, just be part of what's happening. Be engaged with what's happening. Because many times we think about, man, it's just me and Jesus. It's just me and Jesus time, nobody else. And that's, sometimes you come from weeks that are insane. Sometimes we're struggling. You come in and you're like, man, Jesus, I need to be reminded and renewed in your spirit. But here's, here's another aspect to why we do this. That we sing because God is good. The primary central reason on why we do this is we express our praise to God right through song. Fifty times it's commanded to. All right, let's do it, right? But there's another huge reason on why we sing. We sing because you need it, and we sing because I need it. Pretty pretty simple, right? There's a horizontal aspect to why we sing. Look at Colossians again. Colossians 3, we'll go back one verse, 15 and 16. Paul's writing to a group of people. He's writing to a church. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, and teach and admonish one another. With all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, songs in the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. There's this horizontal aspect to why we sing. I don't know if you think about this, but we're not just in podcast church. This is why listening to a podcast and a CD at home is not a replacement for what we get to do in this room, right? Because we're gathering together, bringing all of our crazy lives. We're making Jesus the center. We're being built up. And we're encouraging those around us as we sing. My friend Jared uh, from one of our other campuses said one time, and this really stuck with me, he's like, even if you don't feel like singing, even if you're like, I don't feel like it, don't sing because you feel like it, sing because the people around you might need to hear it, right? That we're supposed to teach and admonish one another, that the, the word of Christ dwells among us as we teach and admonish, as we see, Ephesians says, singing songs to one another, right? We're building up those around us. It's not just about me and God time. It's about us in God time, right? And I, I, I say this all the time, but I, I say this while we're, while we're worshiping, that we're coming, I'm aware that we're coming from all kinds of weeks. Like, I, I want you to all know, like, yeah, you're the music guy, and so of course you would do this sermon, right? I get it. But I say this all the time. I know we're coming from all kinds of weeks, right? Some of us are coming from like the best weeks in our lives. Some of us are coming from the worst week in our lives. Some of us are coming into this room from confusing, strange weeks, and now we're all gathered together, and we're like, stand and sing. You're like, ah, I don't want to. I, 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 I challenge you. I mean, a couple weeks ago, I was in the back. I was running lyrics uh, for a service, and next to me was my friend David. David is on our tech team. He runs all the lights and, and stuff like that. David's a pretty chill guy. Like David's not walking and whistling, clapping like, what's up everybody? No, David's like pretty chill, laid back guy, right? And what's awesome is I was sitting next to David. I was sitting next to him during a service a couple weeks ago. Music starts and David's kind of got the, uh, the drum fingers going on. He's kind of, you know, doing one of these. And then we already did those pages. We don't need those pages anymore. And then he, then he kind of starts singing 
he starts singing and I'm kind of getting pumped. And so I, I kind of start singing louder and he kind of starts singing and I start singing. We're kind of going back and forth. We look like Timon and Pumbaa back there. He throws his hand up and we're having a good old time. But I tell you what, I was encouraged by David's joy. Like his joy for the God, his joy to sing. I was like, man, that's awesome. I'm encouraged by that. Like I needed you to sing today. And so some of us, I said this a couple weeks ago, if you're coming from a week that you're like, man, I've seen God's goodness, I've seen God's faithfulness, we've got some great news, man, things have just been, man, I've been seeing God, this has just been going great, like come on in and sing real loud. Because some of us need to hear it, right? Like some of us need to hear the joy that's going on in your life, so sing real loud. Some of us, man, I feel like we all live in Ohio, so this is where a lot of us are. I feel like some of us, you come into this room and we're going to sing together and you're like, I don't know if this week could have been any more bland. You know what? Do you feel me? You feel me? Like we live in Ohio for six months of the year. You don't know where the roof of the world meets the floor of the world. It's all just white. Sky and ground is what we call it outdoors, not roof and floor. But you go outside and you're like, it's all, it's all just white. And then LeBron comes to Cleveland and then he leaves. And he comes back and then he leaves. I'm like, just tell me you love me, LeBron. And life is just, it, it just can kind of be pretty mundane. It can just kind of feel like a desert sometimes, right? You're just going through the motions. You're just going to work, going to work, paying the bills, trying to keep the kids from electrocuting themselves. You're just trying to keep things like, and it just feels, if we're just honest, feels very mundane. I feel this a ton, right? Like life, like, isn't this like crazy awesome thing every day? If you're on social media, it looks like other people's lives are, but trust me, they're not. And so you come into this room and you're like, I don't, I don't really feel like singing. Things were pretty bland this week. Yep, they probably were for almost all of us. But we sing because you're like, man, and regardless of kind of this desert season of my life, I want to sing because I trust that God's even working in the silence. I want to come in and be like, man, I feel like I don't even know what I'm doing with my job, my family. I feel like I'm just floating through life. We come in, we sing, and I'm like, oh yeah, God has a purpose. God's going to use me. God is working. You come in and things are just a little bit crazy. Things are a little unsettled. And we come in and we sing, my hope is in the cross. My life found in the power of the cross. Man, if you're kind of going through a mundane season, come on in and sing it out. Come on in and sing it out. And for some of us, it's not that life's so mundane. It's not that I'm just so pumped about everything, but maybe you're coming in and you're like, this has been the worst year of my life. This has been the hardest month of my life. Relationally, everything's a mess. Financially, I'm like, I can't even pay for gas to get, like, things are just crazy. Kids are bouncing off the walls. You're like, I taught them better and they're insane. Like, you're coming in here and you're like, man, I've had such a tough go we come together, and if that's your story, we sing that through the storm, he is Lord, Lord of all, Christ alone. My hope is found in the power of the cross, that I've heard a thousand stories of what the world would say you're like, what you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of the gospel, of the goodness of Jesus, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. God, I believe that you are a good father. Regardless of the situation, regardless of the pain, regardless of the mundane things of life, regardless of the, the outcome of the tests, regardless of the decisions that I made, regardless of all these things, we come together and we're like, man, I want to sing because if you're not feeling that way, the people around you might be. 
And if you come in, you may be in that place where you need to sing, you need to hear the people of God sing. There's this horizontal aspect to what we're doing, that we're walking in with all of our weeks, with all of our stories, and we're like, here, let's do this together, right? I have a, a, a dear friend. Her name is Michelle. Michelle is awesome. She is what they call a tough cookie on the streets. And Michelle sits right up here in one of our services. She sits right up here. And I, um, in eighth grade, was the first, I've been part of this music thing for a minute, and when I was in eighth grade, was my first week playing the drums at youth group, and I was super nervous, I was kind of like a monkey toy, just playing the drums, and that first week I played was Michelle's first week at church. And so, throughout my whole career time span of beginning to be part of worship music and play worship music, Michelle's always kind of been like right in front of me. She's always kind of just been right here. And it would be a huge, huge understatement for me to be like, yeah, Michelle's kind of had a a couple tough days over the course of the last 15 years. Like, that would be a huge understatement. Like, medically, she's just walked through so much. If I sat here and told you all the things, you'd be like, geez. Like, she's walked through so much. She's wrestled with God. She's kind of had to walk through all these different medical things. But I tell you what, Michelle is right there. And when I see her come in, sometimes I'm like, well, this is kind of hard because I know what her last week was like. And I look at Michelle and I'm like, man, she's always singing. She's always singing. I'm like, I know what the tests were. I know what the last week was and I see her singing. And even when we do a new song by the second chorus, she's figuring it out. She's singing it. And I always think, I'm like, man, my soul is always encouraged by Michelle singing. Like my kind of cynical, grumpy, questionable soul. I'm like, man, I see Michelle singing. I'm like, oh man. Somebody that's wrestled with God in such a deep way, somebody who's walked through so much, had so many challenges, she just is singing the praises of Jesus, trusting that he doesn't let go through every calm, through every storm. He is the center. I see her singing that, and I'm like, man, I need Michelle to sing. And that's a lot. I look around the room thinking some of your guys' stories, and I'm like, man, I need you guys to sing. Like, God is, like, tangibly working. You are tangibly struggling. Like, I need you to sing. But you know what? That, that's, that's not where it stops. We need to hear Michelle sing. I need to hear Michelle sing. And Michelle needs to hear us sing. Michelle needs to hear us lift her up to tell the story of Jesus, that when fear sails, when darkness falls, that Jesus is the center. We need to sing that to Michelle. We do this whole thing together. I love, there's a story in Acts There's a story in Acts. Paul, the guy who's writing this letter, him and his bud Silas are out. They're telling people about Jesus. They're out telling people about Jesus. And in the midst of this, they capture a guy, the government. The government is not a big fan of this Christianity thing. And they beat the life out of Paul and Silas and they throw him in prison. They, They just beat the life out of him, throw him in prison. This is what it says, Acts 16. After they had been severely flogged, They were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. I heard a pastor, I don't know a ton about him, his name's Stephen Furtick, I heard him talking about this, and he's like, you know the mistake the jailer made? Was that he put them in the same cell. (laughs) Was that he put them together. And so these guys, after getting the life beat out of them, after getting thrown in prison, tied up, or they're like telling the jailer, like, don't let these guys go. These guys are no good. Throw them in. These guys are probably defeated. They're probably tired. I imagine they're probably hungry. You know, and they're probably just feel, they're like, man, 
And they're probably just sitting there and imagine one of them starts like, you are the God that saves. You are the, you know, and they start singing to each other, right? They start singing. What happens next is that the whole prison shakes. The doors blow off. The, the, prison, the prison guard is like, he thinks that Paul and Silas got out, so he's going to kill himself because he's scared of what his boss is going to do. But Paul and Silas are like, no, don't do that. Don't do the stop. Hold on. We're right here. And through this whole story, Paul and Silas lead the prison guard to Jesus. And the, prison, the Bible says that the prison guard and his whole family came to know the goodness of Jesus. And what's at the center of this story? These two guys are praying and singing hymns together. In the midst of this painful situation, in the midst of this dark situation, they're singing songs together. Which makes me think this. I don't, I don't know if you're, you're somebody who grew up in church or not. And I, I just want to say this. I see you every week. Like I stand right here, on the guitar, saying, come on in, glad you're here. I see y'all. And this is, I'm being overgeneralization, I guess, but I see a lot of you guys come in and some of you guys got beards and oil and you're like doing work all week. It's awesome, right? And you guys come in, you probably got like a dip in your mouth. I know you do because you spit it in the urinals. I see it. <laughs> but you guys are here and there's these, and, and you come in and then, me, Ryan, or Garrett, which were all like nice little guys, were like, will you stand and sing? And I see it in your eyes. You're like, nope. <laughs> and you guys, you just, I, I know, I get it. You stand up and you're like, you know, singing things for you artsy types. You know, singing is kind of this feely thing. We're like, Jesus, I feel like I love you. And that's what it is. It's not my thing. I just, I, I just want to, I just want to smash that in the face, okay? That whole belief. Because here's the thing, worship is we gather, worship is a weapon. You look at Paul and Silas in prison in the midst of their situation, in the midst of their pain, in the midst of their physical pain. You know what I'm sure Satan wanted more than anything? To be like, man, you sure God really cares about you? Because I don't think he would have done this whole thing. I don't know if you guys were aware that we had an enemy who wants to lie to us, who wants to distort our view of Jesus, who wants to cloud the waters on God's goodness, who wants to cloud the waters on God's truth, who wants to cloud the waters on Jesus's faithfulness and sufficiency and grace and forgiveness, that Satan would want nothing more than to take the situations of our lives, to take our doubts, to take the things that we walk through and be like, I don't know if he's really that good of a father. He might be a nice, nice God, but he's not a good, good father. That's what Satan would want more than anything to use our situations to deny the goodness of God. And when we worship, when we come together, we sing together vertically, horizontally, we're like, whoa, 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 Satan. We are declaring the goodness of Jesus. We're declaring the centrality of our risen Savior, who I don't know if you got the text or not, defeated death. That's what we believe. And we're like, we are going to make that central. We're going to lift that up. We're going to sing that together. And using worship as a weapon, we're going to defeat the lies of Satan. I know that sounds very Lord of the Rings, but it's true. And so that's why we sing songs like, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Because there's people in here that are struggling in addiction, that are struggling in lies, that are struggling to trust Satan, Satan that he would doubt the goodness of God. That's what our hearts are drawn towards. That's what our hearts struggle with. And so we collectively are going to sing, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. You silence fear. We're going to sing that where fear sails, where darkness falls. I find my hope. I find my strength in Christ alone. That you are the God that saves that regardless of my situation, you are good. We're going to sing that together like a battle cry. And so if you're back here and you're like, 
worships artsy. You would be wrong, or you at least got a wrong picture of it. Because worship, I heard a guy say, is not a playground, it's a battleground. Got a little bit of an amen back there. I'm just going to take it. I'm just going to take it. There's a, a passage in Isaiah 61.3 that says, In a spirit of heaviness, in a spirit of heaviness, we put on a garment of praise. If you're walking in here and you're like, man, things are heavy. And I know some of your stories. I've talked with enough of you guys. I'm like, yeah, I can't even imagine that. That you walk in and the struggles of what's going on, the deserts of what's going on, the mundaneness of life in a spirit of heaviness, we put on a garment of praise that our response to the things of this life, our response to Satan's lies, our response to our doubts is praise and thanksgiving, right? That worship is warfare. Worship is a weapon. We sing vertically because God's good. We sing horizontally because you need it and because I need it and because we need to battle Satan together. And I'll leave you with a simple one, all right? Here, here at Grace, we sing to make Jesus make sense. Bet you didn't see that one coming. We sing to make Jesus make sense. Music has power. Music is created in such a way that affects us in different ways, right? We all know this is true. Like no three-year-old's gonna remember 26 random letters unless you write a song to it. So that's why we sing the ABCs, right? Because then you remember it. We all know Jenny's number. Do you guys know Jenny's number? It's 8675309. We all know Jenny's number. Whoever has that number is an unfortunate person. But we, we remember it through song, right? I, I know this is true about you guys. I know it is. Even if I don't know you, I know that I could play a song at some point in your life and it'll take you right back to that moment, right? You play Van Morrison's Have I Told You Lately That I Love You? Bam, I'm back at my wedding, slow dancing with Sarah and her eBay ring. <laughs> I, yeah, you put on Eagles, Take Me to the Limit. I'm in the back seat of my parents' Astro Van and we're going to Canada on a fishing trip. Like music connects with our hearts and our souls and our spirits in a different way, right? I could tell Sarah that I will always love you. Or Whitney Houston could sing, and I, I will always love you. And then she does the, Ooh. like music connects with us in such a deep way. And what's interesting is that, man, if Jesus, if all things, if all things, invisible or visible, were created for Jesus and through Jesus, and that he holds all things together, if you believe in that type of thing. I would have to guess that, man, God designed music to connect us to his spirit, to connect us to his heart, to connect us to his character, because we all know that music works in a way that just spoken words don't, right? We all know that that's true. And so here at Grace, we want to use music, we want to use this time of, of worship to worship God vertically, to encourage one another in the truth of the gospel horizontally, but also to make sense of Jesus to those of you who are like, I don't know if Jesus makes that much sense. We want to tell the story through songs. We want you to see God's children making a big deal about him. I love Psalm 105 says this. It says, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done, sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts. It's as if the psalmist who wrote this is saying, man, I want you to tell people about God's goodness and let's just do it through song. How about that? How about them apples? Let's praise God through song, right? Let's sing to make God make sense. Let's sing to make the gospel make sense. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul is writing to a church about just different things going on. And just in that, in that letter, he's instructing them that, hey, I want you to expect non-believers to be there. 
As you, as Christians, as you as the church gather together, I want you to expect that non-believers are going to be there, that people who don't know Christ yet will be there, and I want it to make sense to them. That when they, when they gather with you, that they, they, would, they would understand the gospel, that it makes sense. Why? Because Paul says we want to cut to their heart. We want the goodness of Jesus, our need for his grace, to cut to our heart. That's why we sing to make Jesus make sense. It's why we do certain things here at Grace the way we do them. It's why we have two languages of worship. If you come at 8.30, we have a traditional service where we have a choir. The music's a little quieter. The lights are up a little bit brighter. We tend to sing more hymns that whether you grew up in church, and I'm not saying whether you're a believer or not, because believe it or not, there's a lot of non-believers that grew up in church, but if you grew up in church, you might connect with that language of worship a little bit more, if that's your background. So we have that service to connect with people in that way. We want Jesus to make sense to people who have that background, who speak that language, right? And if you come at 10 or 11.30 or 5.30, we're going to turn the lights down, we're going to turn the music up, and we're going to do some different types of music. Do you guys know why we turn the music up? You can cross out your complaint card. The reason we turn the music up is because a lot of people in this generation don't sing if they can hear themselves. And so we just turn the music up, and then we all sing. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward, right? Pretty straightforward. You'll sing out a lot more if you can't hear yourself. But we do things. We use the instruments we do. We do the types of music we do because we just want to connect the story of Jesus to our culture, right? We want Jesus to make sense. We pick songs that we want the greatness of God, the gravity of our sin, and the goodness of Jesus' grace. We want those to make sense. We want those to be clear. And so me and a team of people that we bounce songs off another, we're like, man, what does the church need to sing? What songs make sense to people? Does this word make sense? We want it to make sense to people. We want Jesus to make sense. So if you're here and you're like, yeah, I'm still figuring this thing out, super, super, super glad you're here. And I hope that through the music that you might be like, oh, that's the story of Jesus, huh? What's this about my hope being found in the cross or a God that saves or a good, good father? What's, what's that about? Like my hope is that the story of Jesus would make sense to you. And as, as we close, I'm going to invite uh, the band out. Just a couple uh, weeks ago, I got an email uh, from a guy named Todd. Todd sent me an email and I'm so, so thankful for his email. I said, hey man, can I share this with the church on Sunday? He's like, I'd be honored. That Todd wrote me this, this big, long email about his life. And Todd, Todd um, grew up in a, in a church, grew up with a background where the way he viewed God was that God was mad at him, that God was vengeful, and he was kind of scared of interacting with God. He said, man, I had a great family, a loving family, but this view of God like, was just super hard for me. I was given this view of God that he was out to get me. Some of you are like, I feel that, Right? And so he said, man, as part of his story, that, that interaction with how he viewed God, what he was taught when he was young, caused him to kind of run away, and he went down a, a road of addiction for a long time. He struggled with addiction. And what he said in his email is that eventually he says God, God pulled him out of it. And God rescued him out of that addiction, right? And he's, he's been clean for years. He's, a, he's a, a counselor now. It's awesome. But part of that, he's like, but it's, it just still felt like something was missing, right? He's like, it still felt like, like, I don't know, all the pieces weren't there. And he said he walked through the doors of grace. He walked into this room. I'm sure people were shaking his hand and all these different kind of things. And he got in here. And the team was singing a song called No Longer Slaves. Where it says that, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. You split the sea so I could walk right through them. So I will stand and sing that I 
am a child of God. That I'm not a slave to this fear of God. I'm not a slave to, I'm not sure what God thinks. Jesus makes it very clear of what God thinks about us. If we wrap ourselves in the righteousness of Christ, if we've, if we've had Christ take our place, if we've trusted Christ with our lives, that Jesus takes our place just like we read, that he's reconciled us before God to present us unblemished in his sight, that we no longer are slaves to fear, but we're children of God. And that was Todd's story. He came in and he was like, man, as soon as I heard that, that's what I needed. That was finishing the circle. Jesus made sense to me through that song. And so Todd was part of our, we had a big party in here a couple weeks ago. We had 23 people get baptized. So we were just throwing people in the tank all day. It was awesome. And Todd was part of that. And he's like, man, I, I, I want to have my, my public press conference before everybody, man. And I don't remember what service it was, but Todd got in that tub, man. We, he went down. It was like splash zone over here. It was awesome. He was just going. It was great. But, but the story of Jesus, the goodness of God, he found in that song, we sing to make Jesus make sense. And so as, as we close, if you're here and you're, you're someone who's not sure where you stand with God, you're not sure what you believe about all this stuff, you just kind of came with a friend, girlfriend, mom dragged you here, I get it. I'm just glad that you're here. I hope that what you see is God's people making a big deal about him. And I hope that through these songs, you just get a, a picture of Jesus painted. I'm just glad that you're here. And for those of you that are here, that are, that are that would say you're believers, that are part of the church, part of what's happening, you're like, yeah, that's me. I just want, I, I want, to, I want to challenge you to sing. I want to challenge you to sing. As one of your pastors, as a worship pastor, I, I, I get excited thinking about, man, a culture where we bring in our stories, we bring in our struggles, we bring in our doubts, we bring in our hardships, and we're like, I don't know about all the answers to everything, but... I want to present this to God. I want to lay this down at the feet of Jesus and I want to vertically worship him. I want to give thanks to God because of his goodness. I want to praise him because of his goodness and I want to encourage the people around me. I want to be encouraged by the voices of God and I want to encourage those around me. I'll give you two, two little challenges. This is going to be the easiest two challenges you got all year. But next week as you're driving to church, I encourage you just to, in the car, on the way in, do it with a family. And God, would you prepare our hearts to meet with you this morning? Would you prepare our hearts to praise you? Would you prepare our hearts? I feel pretty mundane. I feel like I'm struggling. I just feel kind of blah. Jesus, would you meet me here? We as pastors, we as a team on Thursdays as we practice in the morning that we always pray, Jesus, would you renew us in this story of the gospel? Would your spirit just give us a freshness to this whole thing? Because man, so quickly it gets stale in our hearts, right? I encourage you to pray that for yourself as, as you're driving in next week. Pray that God may meet you here, that the spirit may renew you in his goodness. And, and don't stop there. Pray for the people that may be sitting around you for the, the person who gets to hear your beautiful voice singing in front of them to the row in front of you. Like sing for the people around you. You don't know all their stories. You don't know all their struggles. You don't know the questions they have. You don't know where they're at, but you're like, man, I want to sing to them about God's goodness. I want to sing that he's a God that saves, that he rescues us, that he's made his way to us, that even when my best intentions fail, I can trust his grace. Don't just sing that over yourself. Sing that over the people around you. 
And I encourage you, come to, come to Communion Wednesday. You don't have to wash feet. Don't let that stop you. But come to Communion Wednesday. We're going to sing together. We're going to celebrate Jesus together. It's called Communion. We do it together as a community, right? I want to encourage you to come to that. We're just going to close with a bit of a song as we get out of here and celebrate Labor Day. I always get that Memorial Day mixed up. But as we do that, I just want to challenge you to sing. They should be really primed and ready to sing. I mean, we talked about it for 40 minutes. They're ready to go. Let me pray for us as you guys go. God, we're so thankful for your grace. We're thankful for the cross. We're thankful that you have made your way to us. This whole thing hinges on the fact that you're a God who pursues us, a God who has made your way to us, that you're a God who meets us in our pain, a God that meets us in the mundane, a God who meets us in our joy. You're a God who has come after us and reconciled us to yourself. You've brought us back into right relationship with you through your blood shed on the cross. And so Jesus, I pray for those of us that our, our relationships with you or our experience with church is just kind of like a broken eBay ring sitting on the counter. I pray that your spirit may stir in our souls, that we may overflow with not just vague emotion. We wouldn't just overflow with, with just vague spirituality, but we would overflow from the good news of Christ, our Savior crucified in our place and risen again. That we would sing out of the abundance of that good news, Jesus. It's because of Christ alone that we pray.